London, Ontario recently became the first community in Canada to functionally end veteran homelessness. The significant milestone was made possible thanks in large part to the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness, led by Tim Richter and their Built for Zero initiative. How did they achieve it? What does this mean for other communities trying to end homelessness? Tune in to find out. Welcome to In the Business of Change, where we speak with social entrepreneurs impacting their communities and the world. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum, publisher and editor-in-chief of Sea Change magazine. On today's podcast, we speak with Tim Richter, founder, president, and CEO of Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness. In our conversation, Tim discusses Built for Zero's unique approach to ending chronic homelessness and how the innovative model, with its focus on real-time data, collaboration, and local leadership, is making real change. Tim then shares how this achievement in the midst of a pandemic to boot is proving that with the right approach, ending all homelessness in Canada is possible and within reach. We uh, estimate there's 235,000 different people who experience homelessness in Canada every year, uh, about 35,000 on any given night. We estimate that homelessness costs $7 billion per year, uh, every year, and it, you know, to, and, and it continues to get, uh, uh, that continues over time. So the, uh, the other thing we, we've learned, uh, interestingly, this summer, we ran a poll, a national poll with uh, Nanos. And what, what I thought was really fascinating there is it's actually far more widespread than I, I thought it was. So we found that 36% of Canadians, 36%, um, either have experienced homelessness themselves or know somebody who has. And so that breaks down to 20% of, of Canadians know somebody who's experienced homelessness. Um, 11% uh, have a family member who have experienced homelessness and about 5% experience it themselves. So that means uh, 1.6 million Canadians over some point in their lives have experienced homelessness. Uh, and that's, and that's, just, that's just experiencing homelessness. There's 1.7 million Canadian households who are living in core housing need. And and what's and there's all kinds of interesting bits about that. I can keep you here all day talking about this stuff, but I won't. But the, the, the interesting piece of that is when you look at how the pandemic is impacting Canadians, we know it's lower income Canadians that are feeling the brunt of it. Right. Right. We know that. And, and among those uh, people in core housing need, those will be those feeling it the most. And uh, we know there's an RBC report out today that uh, women are much feeling the impact economically much more than men. Uh, and uh, not surprisingly, core housing need is also gendered. So we know that though that um, women make up a significant percentage up to 46% of households and core housing need are female led households. So um, I think there's a, a, a very real concern that there will be a COVID wave of homelessness coming after if we don't get ahead of it uh, because of the economic impact on lower income households. And potentially that could be gendered, right? Where there's more women being um, and families being pushed into homelessness. 
Um, very serious situation, uh, which seems to be mm-hmm. getting more serious uh, due to the pandemic. And it was serious enough before the pandemic. So um, That's right. can you just tell me the mission of the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness? Well, you know, we're, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan on very fancy names. The mission of the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness is right in the name. Like we, our goal is ending homelessness in Canada, but we... Um, straightforward, we, yes. Well, you know, yeah. I, 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 I'm not terribly creative. <laughs> But I think that, you know, the, we, we work a few ways. So we do a lot of policy advocacy work, obviously, on behalf of the sector and people experiencing homelessness. Uh, we launched a, a campaign called Recovery for All in May of last year, very in the early days of, uh, of the pandemic. Um, but we work uh, with Built for Zero Canada uh, with a community, 32 communities around the country. We have a training and technical assistance program that provides sort of technical assistance for frontline organizations, agencies, and workers. Um, we work with a bunch of different allied networks, called, you, know, for, you know, helping others respond to the crisis and um, also uh, have an annual conference. Well, it was annual until last year. Right. <laughs> and so you were, um, I mean, you're in the news often, mm-hmm. but, but you were most, most recently in the news for being a part of this mm-hmm. milestone in Canada, which is when... Uh, London, Ontario was the first community in Canada to achieve functional zero veteran homelessness. Um, That's a long sentence. It's a good achievement and a great milestone, but let's get into the nitty gritty of it. So let's understand what that means exactly. What is, what is a lot of people are like, what does functional zero mean? So could you explain? So, so in a nutshell, our goal in ending homelessness is that homelessness is rare, brief and non-recurring. And it recognizes that, you know, we may not be able to create perfect homeless systems or housing systems. And there may be uh, people that, you know, will have a crisis and fall into homelessness, but we want that experience to be rare, brief, and non-recurring. Functional zero allows us to measure and quantify, make sure that a community has a system that's capable of seeing people at risk of homelessness, becoming homeless, responding to them quickly to make sure that homelessness in that community is rare, brief, and non-recurring. So essentially the measure is that you have a proven, documented, verified ability to house more people in a month that then become homeless in that month, in an average month, right? So um, this is, uh, this approach is driven by a data-driven approach to uh, ending homelessness that is actually pretty revolutionary that we've picked up uh, from our friends in the US, but it's, it's grounded by real-time person-specific data on everybody experiencing homelessness in a community. And I think some of your listeners are familiar with business and supply chain management. And, you know, you look at a, like a, a big company like Walmart, right? They can tell you every product in every store, on every shelf, anywhere in the world in real time. That's how they manage their business. That's how they organize their supply chain. That's how they ensure the, you know, that, that efficient system. Well, it's the same thing in homelessness, really. Uh, I mean, except it's not Walmart. We're not talking about product, right. but it, you know, real time person specific data, knowing every veteran by name, documenting their needs, meeting them where they're at and using that data to organize a system to move people, to prevent the flow into homelessness and move people out rapidly. Okay. 
And the specific focus on veterans. So I appreciate is, is there a bigger percentage of veterans that, that do um, struggle with homelessness than other uh, people in the community? Um, well, veterans uh, were kind of, it's, was picked for uh, a couple of reasons. One, um, you know, I think we have a, we, there is a unique duty of care to people who have served in the Canadian Forces and the RCMP um, that, you know, uh, we should be, we should be attending there. And it doesn't, it just makes no sense that there's a veteran or anybody else experiencing homelessness in this country. We estimate that there's, I mean, there's no great estimates, but the numbers are somewhere between three and 5,000 uh, veterans over the course of a year would be who's experiencing homelessness. And that, that actually creates an opportunity, A, for us to respond to a group of people for whom we have a unique duty, I believe. Um, but also it allows us to test um, approaches to ending homelessness that will be effective with other people and other populations. And it's a smaller, more defined group. And so in many ways, we're working to end veteran homelessness as a step to ending all homelessness. So we, right. we start, we, we're using the same approaches that you would with any other population, some tailoring for veterans, right? And who we work with. Um, but really you're, you're testing at, you're, you're beginning to test at scale the strategies you need for everything else. So if you, London is important for a couple of reasons. One is they've done it and that proves that it can be done but they're all now also now proving what it's taken that we can replicate it around the country. Okay. Um, and, and yeah, I was going to ask you specifically about London. Why London? And did you, were they, did they ask come to you or did you, how did you work together? How did that collaboration work? Well, we uh, launched Built for Zero Canada. And one of the theories behind Built for Zero Canada is that, and Built for Zero is really uh, is offers a, a structured and supportive approach for ending chronic homelessness. And we put that idea out because we wanted to see who might be the early adopters, who might be those that are the, the real innovators, the people with the strong community leadership, the people that are already driven in homelessness, and how can we help them accelerate their efforts as a way of, again, beginning to build that community by community infrastructure. And London was one of our, one of the, you know, early communities to jump on board, build the zero. They've always had a really strong local leadership from the city of London and strong leadership from their community. And um, they've always had a fairly sophisticated approach. And so they were a natural fit. When we started built for zero really on chronic homelessness um, and expanded right. it to uh, also the veterans and uh, asked among the Built for Zero communities who might volunteer to try and take on veterans as well, just to see if we could do it. Uh, and London was put up their hand right away. London is, uh, is, has military history in the city and, okay. and you know they have a fairly sophisticated approach there. And so they were a great, a great early ally. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and we talked about this a little bit before uh, the podcast began, but I'd love mm -hmm. to touch upon this again to give a shout out to someone who um, I'm a fan of, Roseanne Haggerty of Community mm -hmm. Solutions um, in the US. And uh, I had asked you before, Built for Zero sounds so familiar because <laughs> I, had, I had profiled her work in my book in the Business of Change and had spoken to her a few times and, and, and love what she's about. And I remember hearing mm -hmm. Built for Zero, Built for Zero. 
and I saw that you guys are using it. So could you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that just to just to share how, yeah. it, you know, what you've taken from that, you know, working so there you, and yeah. What we've taken from is exactly right. Well, you totally stole <laughs> Like it's, uh, you know, one of the things that I I realized a long time ago is that everything you need to know about ending homelessness has been done somewhere else uh, in a lot of ways. And Roseanne Community Solutions, her organization launched Built for Zero in the United States. Um, and it's and and they've really revolutionized how we're looking at homelessness and, and just how we build these community based responses and data driven community based responses. And, um, you know, in the States, veteran homelessness is different than in Canada. In fact, it's much bigger. So in, in, to give you a sense of perspective, veteran homelessness in the United States on any given night is bigger than all homelessness in Canada. Wow. So there's about 40,000 veterans in the United States homeless on any given night, about 35,000 Canadians are homeless on any given night. So it's a, and the Americans have been successful in reducing veteran homelessness in half by, right. in over a decade. And, and in many ways, Roseanne and Community Solutions have been pioneers in that work. Um, they started with a hundred thousand homes campaign. We quickly copied with a twenty thousand <laughs> homes campaign, and then they evolved to build for zero, and then we did as well. And and it's been a great working relationship, and we've we've taken that. I I've, I've often joked that that I'm I, we're kind of like the you know the Japanese automaker of the world because we take it. We'll take the American car, <laughs> take it apart, improve it, make it make it much better, and sell it back <laughs> to them. <laughs> That works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but again, you know, Roseanne and her team are brilliant. Like I've yeah. got all the time in the world for them and doing some really groundbreaking work. And we're just really fortunate that we've been able to uh, to take the model with their help and adapt it and run with it. And London is the first of what I hope are many communities uh, ending homelessness. What are the primary sort of takeaways of that model? Like what, how is their approach distinct in, in its own way from let's say, uh, the traditional approach to tackling homelessness, if you can, mm -hmm. if you can describe that. Well, uh, again, I could keep you here all day talking about oh, what good. London's done well and what <laughs> what Built for Zero is is doing. But I, I think there's a, a few things that are really striking. One is, um, the, the first is just deciding to end homelessness. Like we've often sort of been resigned to the fact that, you know, this is a problem that we've got, and people just sort of shrug and go, well, you know. A bunch of people homeless has put up a shelter. What London's done in a, a growing number of communities at you know, 30, 40 communities or more now we're looking at is shifting and just saying, well, you know what, we're gonna fix this problem. Homelessness is a solvable problem. It's not always been with us. Uh, we know we've seen what Rosanna's done in the States. They've ended chronic and veteran homelessness in I think 14 cities now. Mm -hmm. um, and so we shifting that focus is the first thing. The second thing is the the importance of local leadership. Um, you know, if you were there's very little difference between, you know, how a city will respond to a natural disaster and how a city responds to homelessness. If you treat homelessness like the disaster it is, and you use many of the same tactics as you would in a to municipal disaster response, keep everybody safe, make sure you have strong leadership, you have a command center, you have, you know, you use data, all those, all, you focus on, you know, keeping people safe, but then moving them into housing quickly, you look at prevention, all of that stuff is, is the same, but it comes down to that local leadership. 
And, you know, London has that in spades. They've got a strong mayor that's very supportive, strong leadership within the city and a, and a great community uh, working together. That's a big thing. You know, mm-hmm. just that leadership. Leadership solves a lot of problems, right? Like it's absolutely one of the dirty secret about ending homelessness. This is really just relentless problem solving. It's continuous improvement, relentless problem solving, right? Again, many of your listeners are from the private sector and you'll know all about continuous improvement and taking risk. And that's what this is, this is effectively the same thing. And the other thing that I think was, the third thing that I think was especially valuable in London uh, and with the uh, Build for Zero um, model is using data. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we used to go with a point in time count model. We used to count homeless people anonymously once a year. And this is one of the innovations from the Americans was saying, you know what, actually, if this is a, to solve a dynamic problem, you need a dynamic response and you need to use data. And that data, you know, in addition to telling us, knowing exactly who's there, you know, real time person specific data, so we can see the number of people coming into homelessness every month, the number of people returning to homelessness every month, the number of people who are actively homeless, the number of people leaving to housing, the number of people disappearing from our system and then other people returning, um, you, get a, you get a really good sense of the flow through that system. But in order to get that information, you actually, you have to reach to all the parts of that system. And the data itself not only allows you to manage or effectively problem solve and you know, continuous improvement, but it also begins to coordinate because it brings people together around a shared picture of exactly what's going on. And the big aha moment here was we brought, London was able to bring together the veterans community, the Legion, Veterans Canada, Vets Canada, Veterans Affairs Canada with the housing part of the system. Then they've never worked together. Hmm. And so you brought two groups together around a shared problem, but you had the same data and you know exactly who you were talking about. And so you could problem solve each individual, right? Uh, you could, yeah, yeah. if there's 25, 30 people, you know, you got a solution for Bob and you got a solution for Ted and you got a solution for Mary and you got a solution for Ned, you know, you got the, you, you develop that and you, you, you work the problem one person at a time. Right. Yeah. Um, and that completely changes the conversation. And that was the big thing for London success. What about um, collaboration across sectors or anything like that? I know that she had mentioned mm-hmm. something about that, but again, you said you've taken mm-hmm. the model and adapted it to Canada. So I'm wondering maybe yes. it works a little bit differently um, here. Well, it not really. Like it, it's across sectors because you look, for example, we're in a public health emergency, right? And one of the things that you know about people experiencing homelessness is that they're you know, they're very vulnerable, they're very, and they're struggling with many complex medical conditions. And, um, you know, this is where social entrepreneurs and social enterprise gets particularly interested when you start talking about social impact bonds and, you know, monetizing, monetizing savings to those other, other systems. Well, you, you have no idea the, re, the interaction between homelessness and healthcare and in any way can monetize that savings without real-time data. And if you have that real-time data, you'll know how often someone goes in the hospital, how often they're inpatients in emergency rooms, how often they're in corrections, whether they're coming from child intervention, 
And you know, if you want a social impact bond, you need to quantify the savings that can be achieved by housing somebody. Right. And and the data gives us a basis for that conversation with those other systems, because we can say, look, you know, I've got a list of a thousand people. I know that seven hundred and thirteen of them are in, in you know, have used the healthcare system in the last year, and. You know, if you eventually get to a granular level where you can mine that provincial administrative data, you'll know precisely how many people and how these individuals have moved through these public systems and how those public systems could benefit from the cost savings. It just creates a basis for a different conversation because then I can go to uh, London, could theoretically go to the health region and say, look, I've got 27 people, they all need this specific support that you're not giving to, to them. And by the way, if you give us the money to do this thing, it'll save you $8 million. Is that something in the horizon, something like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. that's that's the natural extension of yeah. this data. We're not there yet, um, but I think we certainly could. Like, Ultimately, social enterprise only functions if you've got the data. I would have to completely agree. Um, and the whole- So social- I've heard, so I've heard, I'm not a social enterprise <laughs> expert. Well, I would have to totally agree. And the social impact bond is a whole other conversation, which I think yes. would be fascinating um, in, in this area. Mm-hmm. But we, we can talk about that another, another time or else we will yeah. have a few more hours. But um, <laughs> just just to leave on, you know, because it's so localized, I mean, because you do look at local leadership for um, Built for Zero to work effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you try to expand- uh, the model across Canada. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, do you see that as being a challenge? And 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 what do you have in mind for um, getting other communities on board and, and and bringing it to where London is and beyond? No, well, I think this is the the really exciting bit. Like we're we're kind of like Home Depot's old model, right? You can do it, we can help, right? Right. And 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 so what we're here to do is show them this model, uh, help them work through in kind of a structured and and supportive approach and. And what London's success is doing is suddenly galvanizing other communities to say, oh, really, you can you can end this? Well, let me, I want to do what you did. Well, what we did is we worked with Built for Zero and, you know, we did these things. And, um, you know, that, I think that's quite exciting. What's interesting and exciting, I think, is um, this success in London is uh, based on a model that's easily replicated. Um, a few years ago, the government of Canada recently or rebuilt their um, homelessness program and called it Reaching Home. But Reaching Home actually models a lot of what Build for Zero was doing. Okay. And the government of Canada is funding us to take this sort of on the road. And in September, the government committed to ending chronic homelessness. Yep. Uh, I'm hoping they, they extend that soon to veteran homelessness. And I think we may see a federal program um, encouraging and bringing communities across the country to this approach. And that to me is the beginning of the end of homelessness in this country. That's amazing. So you do have uh, hope with these, this program in place and with the interest uh, that you've already, mm-hmm. and you anticipate more. Um, yeah, and we see where there's other communities that are already actively reducing uh, chronic and veteran homelessness in different places, despite the pandemic. You know, London did this despite the pandemic. Yep. Um, and I think we'll soon be seeing communities achieving the same thing that London has with chronic and other veteran homelessness. So okay. stay tuned. We will definitely stay tuned. Um, <laughs> and I thank you so much for taking the time. I really, really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Happy to be here. 
Thank you for listening to In the Business of Change. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear other conversations with inspired social entrepreneurs and change makers working on challenges in their communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum.